This week on the Tone Podcast. There's no skirting around this. It's well overdue, but it deserves its own episode. The hard-hitting tell-all expose. It's The Last Jedi episode. Let's go! Welcome to the Tone Podcast. Your weekly foray into pop culture in full color. I'm Wendell Britt. And I'm Nate Sablon. Let's get trashy. Um, so I didn't know I needed this, but you know, like that disco remix. Oh yeah, of the Star Wars thing. I think we might be due for a trap one now. Now that trap isn't going anywhere. Trap is here to stay. I played an R and B set this past weekend, and it was fun. It was great. I was spinning. A lot of time trying to get rid of those trap snares, and I just had to give up because that's just what it, the music is now. <laughs> that's just what music sounds like. Well, we'll get into this. <laughs> um, that's not what this episode's about. This, this episode is. We're, we're talking about the Star Wars. We are finally taking our foot off the hose, and um, we we went back and forth on how to cover this, whether it was going to go into a main episode, and. Like, my desire was to do a six parts Ken Burns style uh, mockumentary where we actually pretend as though we we're one of the extras in the movie. You have 25 minutes. We didn't have the budget. <laughs> Nate wouldn't sign off on it, calling it um, obtuse, uh, inaccessible. This, this feels like the part in Muppet Vision 3D where Sam the Eagle says that he has a huge regalia for America big fireworks show and it's going to be about you know 20 minutes long and kermit the frog says yeah you have five minutes yep uh so (laughs) what you need to know about me folks zing Zing. take your drink everyone who's playing the home game uh i have always identified with sam the eagle (laughs) 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 love sam a combo of pepe the the prawn and sam the eagle has been my whole endealment so very apt um yeah how does one with with a that exists in the world like me encapsulate this this movie experience i didn't want one of the biggest issues that we we took so long is one holidays to uh, i have to watch it a certain amount of time yeah. and, and and digest and, and figure out because this is you know for some people myself included gonna be like the canonical version like people are gonna yell at me i, I mean weeks hence we want to be thoughtful about these things and hot takes don't necessarily do Something that we hold near and dear to our hearts, especially you, Wendell, uh, d- doesn't do it justice. Also, we've seen hot take culture like yeah. fail miserably in the last like five months. Um, like hot takes were fun. Hot takes were a great time. Yeah, you, know, you don't come to the Tone Podcast for hot takes. We hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes we do it, but I mean, it it doesn't necessarily give it a lot of meaning when we're just shooting off the hip and haven't had a lot of time to think about these things. Yeah, that's the improv show. You for the, some topics we need the deep dive. We need the yeah. crystalline thing, and um, so I think we're ready to do that. I think uh, that's enough. You know, gnawing on the the bone, enough hemming, hawing. Yeah. Um, Let's needless, jump into it. Yeah, needless to say, spoiler spoiler alerts. You've had two months by now, but it's I know February. that you might not have you might not have gotten to it. You do you, but. You know, just putting it out there. Let's go. So, um, let's let's start with. The, I mean, I'm going to ask you some questions, Nate, um, because this is a question that ultimately the movie asks in many different ways, and I think is an important for setting the tone of the conversation. But what does Star Wars mean to you? 
if you were to walk into a building and there's a room and it says Star Wars room and you're like, okay, I, I guess I'm going to go in there, sight unseen, all you know is that it's Star Wars room, like what, what are you expecting to feel in that place? Like what is, what's going on in your mind? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind and that it might just be my simplistic wrestling brain is a classic battle of good and evil set in space, big spectacle and you know magic forces called the force <laughs> um and who you know who feels be- at best to wield that the midichlorians god so <laughs> that's fine we deserve that but um we deserve that for a very long time <laughs> and so that's you know just at a very base level you know and that's in a 280 character tweet <laughs> what i expect out of a star, star war um and that's interesting because you know if you ask neckbeard or you ask like someone who was there in 1977 there for star wars is in in very broad appeal for the culture the way that people access it is is very different um and so uh, this particular movie has a lot of sort of controversy around it Mm -hmm. but in a different way than we've sort of seen before like there's the ghostbusters controversy which was why are you taking like your issues and putting it in our movie and you should never touch the Ghostbusters? Why are you rebooting this? Blah, blah, blah. And the movie just wasn't bad enough for people to justify a lot of their beliefs around it. It just it didn't hold up water because Ghostbusters didn't really have an agenda. It was just kind of made out of a time. Yeah, I mean, the first Ghostbusters movie proper was a movie about nothing. <laughs> like, there, I mean, it was a wonderful movie about nothing. It was a lot of fun, but... It's a bunch of dudes do a thing, the thing happens, and they do the thing. There is, so, I mean, I might, I can get flack about this, I don't care. I'm a huge Star Wars, Ghostbusters fan, but ultimately the first movie was about nothing, and so that that's what makes Ghostbusters so pliable. And Star Wars, though, there's a lot more at stake here. And what's crazy, though, is that, like, I make this comparison on purpose because there's a book that came out called how star wars conquered the universe and i am kind of cagey about reading too much like meta shit about star wars like i will read the texts but i don't like reading secondary sources because i hate everyone else's opinions i don't want some smart person coming around and putting an idea in my brain that i wasn't ready for i was having a good time i don't need to get getting ruined so when i read stuff like that i have to take a grain of salt this book was very interesting because it really outlined in very meticulous terms how Star Wars was almost not, like how much of a ridiculous accident it was. And I still like am, I'm working on like a screenplay about it's like Fruitvale Station and it's May 19th, 1977 at 5 p.m. Before like the what like just sort of a slice of life, what the world was like right before like five different characters like watch Star Wars for the first time. Because it was insane. It was an insane thing. Like, people walked in and were like, what? What are these alien gagus and this guy and he looks like a... And this... And there's pew, pew, pew. And, and then they've got a late... Like, what are we even looking at? And you see the early reviews of Star Wars and everyone's just like, what? And then the people who are like... Who enjoy it and who, of course, like, this was a transformational experience. They were like, everything has changed. The world is, like, totally, like, different. This is, like, amazing. And I feel like we've been trying to recapture that experience with all like the various movies even like the sequels that came after uh the original star wars kept trying to like get at that that Mm -hmm. feeling but really all they kind of were able to do is expand the world and and things were crystallizing but there's never had that same sort of experience of 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 accident 
And I don't think we can, but, and this is the longest lead into this particular movie, but I think Ryan Johnson gets the closest to that experience for better and for worse. Yeah. I mean, for better or for worse is, for better and for worse is definitely one of the better ways to kind of parse this out. There's a lot to take away from this. And as you said, I mean, trying to recreate the good feels of the original trilogy is like trying to make the British invasion happen again. (laughs) Like there will never be another Beatles. And so you can't try to make that happen again. And we've seen that happen in pop culture with like the advents of boy bands. Mm -hmm. And so Ryan Johnson did about as best a job as you can. And even, even kind of stepping taking a big step away from what J.J. Abrams tried to establish with uh, The Force Awakens. it It's risk. There is definitely a big risk versus reward. That's an important distinction, because yeah. J.J. and Ryan Johnson had two different jobs to do. J.J. is basically answering the question, should we be allowed to do another Star Wars? Is there, like, he, like, people are like, we're going to do it. We're going to make that money. The thing that people are the most upset about is, like, should we be doing this? Are we going to ruin Star Wars somehow? Mm -hmm. And so, of course, he took a, what some people can say, a pretty conservative approach. He told a very small story. Mm -hmm. He made it, like, pristine, beautiful. I still say, like, that's one of the best edited movies, shot for shot, like, that's happened, like, this decade. If you're just watching the shot, again, nothing about the characterization, the direction, but just how he uses and, and, and weaves an emotional story is still very masterful. But again, as I've seen The Last Jedi now seven times, The Force Awakens is it's it's hyperspace mountain. You go in, you sit down, the 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 guardrails come down on you, and you get propelled a thousand miles an hour. Loop de loop, loop de loop, flash, 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 you're over. And then you go, let's go again. <laughs> let's go again. <laughs> it's the reason why I could watch it, I think, that many times. I think about The Last Jedi and Again, going obliquely, like I think about this movie every day. I think about it. It it's, has stuck with me in this way that like I didn't expect that it ever would. It's really great. But in the same way as as the Dark Knight, like the quality to rewatchability is like it's very dense. It's like someone yeah. saying you got to eat a chocolate cake every day. <laughs> like I'm right? like ah, I can't do that. As much as I enjoy this very rich, excellent experience. And we're not saying a slice of chocolate cake. We are saying a whole ass chocolate cake. Bruce Bug Trotter. <laughs> as a the Matilda deep cut for all of you. <laughs> I think about that scene at least monthly. That is like the most horrifying shit I've ever seen in my life where she makes him eat that whole cake so, as punishment. Cake <laughs> as punishment is like some messed up, like, ugh. If I were a villain, that's the kind of shit I'm going to do. Like, gluttony? <laughs> I'm going to solve so, this for you. So what would you characterize as some of uh, Ryan Johnson's missteps with uh, The Last Jedi? Because... I don't know. I just want to get the bad news out of the way so we can kind of look at the stuff we can celebrate. I'm going to be real. There's no such thing as a misstep in this movie. All right. Ryan Johnson is a genius, and everything that he does, he does on purpose. And this is an important pill to swallow. I think there are a bunch of things that people did not like about it, and I'm happy to go into details, but I'm going to just put my neck out there to say, this man is too good at movies to have done anything wrong. Like, truly, like, when I've seen this movie this as many times, and I've interrogated certain things, and there are things that kind of fall less 
well than the rest of the movie, but if they were their own movie, would still be good movies. And this is also as someone who is a mild prequel apologist, it's the same vibe. Yeah. The prequels aren't as bad, but they are as bad a Star Wars movie as like we could ever deal with. Like, I love Triple X <laughs> Return of Xander Cage, and the prequels are not worse. Than yeah, <laughs> the Return of Xander Cage, they just aren't. It's my feelings about Star Wars that have been imbued into like the way that they're telling the story that makes me read the prequels as bad. And so there are certain things in The Last Jedi that I could find, I can understand people having a hard time swallowing. Um, it's long. Yeah. It's a long movie. I, I mean, we talked about the the runtime before the movie came out. It was, I don't know if we were necessarily concerned, but it was a flag. Mm-hmm. I don't know what color flag it was. I wouldn't say it was red, <laughs> but it was just, huh. Something to pay attention to. Yeah. And something that, like, knowing going in that it's two and a half hours, the second that it started, there's a moment in the movie in which it could end at any point. Yes. And that moment is, like, 45 minutes long. Right. I mean, Ryan Johnson did make a lot of big asks and throughout the movie, but having a very extended fifth act mm-hmm. was pretty... That was, it's hard because, I mean, I, I would say that the movie is in five acts, you know, kind of breaking down the three act structure and kind of extrapolating out some of the you know, finer details because there's a lot of setting in this movie. There's a lot happening. I mean, before the fifth act, <laughs> there's already a lot. You've already gone through a lot. You've seen a lot of just things that are shaking out exactly what this trilogy is about because as you said, in The Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams is simply telling a small story. Mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson Just decided, a weird afternoon in space. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Johnson managed to show everybody the, the, the Rebellion's worst fucking day of the Star Wars. <laughs> the resistance and the no good, terrible, rotten, bad day. <laughs> I mean, this is one day that just completely rocked the world. And a lot happened in that one day. Yep. Um... Ice Cube would not have said this was a good no. day. One of, one of the issues, but I also think it was a very integral part of the movie, was the casino scene. And I just mm-hmm. think it was just CG. It was too CGI heavy for me to really digest it and take it as seriously as I wanted to. Because I know how, how integral that that environment was to set the tone for whatever episode nine is going to be. Because I think that there's definitely... And it also justified the title The Last Jedi, or Los, At- Los Otomos Jedi, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that there are multiple Jedi still out there. It's the haves versus the have-nots, and how that those that do have are abusing those who do not have. And also the power that the, that the, these, young, these uh, poor younglings have. And this is another one of those things where I go, I understand why people... Especially people who are critical, someone who looks at things and then makes judgments, which is the whole job of you know being a consumer of culture, yeah. um, could latch on to that scene. Again, if you were to play the one of these things is not like the other game, it feels very easy to go after the casino scene. Yeah. But the way that people tend to make the criticism tends to forget a very important part of this whole Star Wars deal that Ryan Johnson, I think does better than maybe any person who's made Star Wars with the exception of the Clone Wars, which is actually threading the needle of 
this is a movie that is talking about like important like mythological mm-hmm. things and a movie for babies. Yeah. Um yeah. I think Star Wars fans especially when they grow up their feelings about Star Wars are completely contingent on like how much of their childhood they're able to keep at any given moment, which is this hilarious paradox because you know, the people who are the most mad about the last Jedi are remembering how much they enjoyed it as a as the original trilogy as a kid, mapping their adult brain on it, and are now judging the feelings that their adult brain is getting out of this movie, comparing it to feelings that they've had as a child, seeing the mismatch, and instead of going, oh, I might have grown up and what can i understand of what yeah. i've had in this experience they go mm, does not compute movie bad and i go that's a little that, easy that that's super lazy like the only thing that i have to criticize about that casino scene is it was way too bright to have that much cgi i would have liked to have more practical effects like my criticism is the execution and that's about it because that whole world looked great in the dark after after all the casino stuff happened when uh uh finn and rose are trying to just get out mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that that looked magnificent it looked great all that all the cgi in the in the dark looked a lot better than right colors and oh, I was, lighting i was about it but i was about it for the reason is that it made me feel the feelings of a place that i hate which is mm-hmm. vegas it was vegas like yeah everything oh, it was I, absolutely vegas everything was... i hate about vegas is in that scene and so i know that feeling that you're talking about which is the mm, that, that too much vibe. But again, like when, when these things happen, I always challenge people. And again, you don't have to like it. This is just my sort of experience of being able to sit in that moment of this negative feeling. Is it on purpose? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can, and I, I can if, dig that. if that happens, and again, I think if there's a plausible way that it can be on purpose, and then assuming that they spent a flobby jillion dollars to make the movie, it is more plausible that like that was an intent and I say this only, I only really say, lean on this with Ryan Johnson. There's other people who are just lazy and then we kind of just help them out. He's a very antagonistic filmmaker. And by antagonistic, I mean he has a thing that he wants to do and he has a set of feelings that he wants you to experience and they're not all good. Yeah. JJ loves you. Yeah. Ryan does not love you. <laughs> I mean, a little background on Ryan Johnson. I mean, I loved watching Breaking Bad and one of the most challenging episodes to watch is also one of the more celebrated episodes, which is Fly, which, for all intents and purposes, is a bottle episode. It's just Walt and Jesse in the lab chasing a fly and also <laughs> dealing with their conflict. And it's a challenging episode to watch because, one, it's in a very static environment. Nothing really changes visually. And also, you're dealing with a lot of just negative conflict and feelings, you know, all with this thread of this fly that's in the lab that shouldn't be there. And like his other movies kind of have that same feeling. He is a director that is obsessed with the concept of feeling trapped and of feeling alienated. Brick, which mm-hmm. is this noir film about high school. First, you've got the high school setting, which we've all been to, so we're like, ooh, yeah. Like they're in this weird world, but it's also self-contained. We've got the loner character who clearly is like too smart. He's bouncing around these different groups, but like it doesn't like work out. You get him in Looper. Looper is another one where it's like he's literally trapped in time. There's now like a time loop that he's trying to break and like that's not really like sort of being able to like work out. And then you get him working on The Brothers Bloom, which is this great like shell game of a thing where it's like, okay, the trap of like having brothers and the trap of like what is truth and what is reality. And then you take all of these really interesting ideas and he puts it in Star Wars and it's just 
his whole goal is to challenge. His mm. whole goal is to challenge, and the challenge only works if he knows how you want to feel and subverts it, which he does time and time and time again. He does it 16 times, so when people go, I didn't like the 15th, I go, well, okay, that's fine. <laughs> how did the other 15 work? Because he goes big with his alienation narratives. So in terms of challenging, uh, Ryan Johnson challenging con- you know, the the viewer, the audience, what are your takeaways on Ryan Johnson's expansion of what we know from the movies, what we know about the Force, how it's used, and what the Force encapsulates? Because a lot changed, especially in that fifth act, in terms of how the Force is used, specifically Force projection. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are your? I mean, you being the resident Star Wars expert and somebody that is also able to parse these things out in a very critical and academic way. I mean. What did you feel? I mean, first viewing and the extended viewing. Yeah. So Ryan Johnson, again, he's a creator who I feel a very strong kinship to him because the way that I see this movie break down is he, I see him writing it where he goes into the room. He pulls all the Star Wars stuff down off the, <laughs> off the shelves, pulls everything, gets every, access to every Lego that he has, and then just starts building shit. There was an article where they finally like, got to talk to him about like the making of, and it's like every fan theory that has ever been on the internet we took seriously. We we ran through all of them. We did not ignore a single one. All of the ways that versions of Ray's parentage, like we did it all. Like when I was writing this, it wasn't. Here's a story by Ryan Johnson. It was Ryan Johnson meditated inside the internet, <laughs> found and listened to everything, and decided to sort of make a movie. So when people come at him for like the Force, he's able to do this because the Force is nothing. Yeah, George Lucas like is really good at like painting en- with enough stroke to like let us imagine what's going on, but he never really makes any solid rules about it. And so when people freak out about it, a lot of times, and this is, I don't want to harsh anyone's mellow because I love Star Trek as well, but a lot of people will ask Star Trek problems of Star Wars, which always will make them sad. <laughs> these are, these are, I mean, it's easy to kind of put them into the same basket because they both have star and have to do with space. But <laughs> and that's lasers. Lazy. And lasers. But that's lazy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Ryan Johnson challenged the idea that the Force is just something that runs through royalty. Because that's also what we've seen with the Skywalker family, with Leia and Luke and their parents. Like, it's just something that they think is in the blood. But what if not? And challenging that, first with parsing out that Ray's parentage, she was just poor her parents are poor and the very ending in wrapping up that anybody can have the force and especially these kids mm-hmm. on casino planet i don't remember the actual name I uh canto bite <laughs> the casino planet canto bite actually the town's name was canto ah! bite. Uh, <laughs> and just revealing that these are kids that are at the very least force sensitive like i think that's a very good way a very good challenge just to expand our concept like this can live in anybody and it's i think more than a challenge i think it's a definitive statement to mm-hmm. say like the white dude narrative of the 80s is over like aggressively over if there was any hope that someone was like maybe saying oh it's still just going to be like white girl right it's like no it's we're breaking this whole thing and i mean i think you get into a great segue in terms of one of the last topics that i want to cover and i wish we could cover more but the white dude narrative is over in that this is another hard pill to swallow for a lot of neckbeards that white dudes be reckless. Poe, reckless as shit. From the 
the from scene one. Um, the moment, the moment that Kylo Ren gets a chance at redemption, he gets overcome with, you know, my way is the right way. And abandons whatever kind of family tie that he could have had with, you know, with another Force Sensate that was sensitive enough to really challenge his own power. And just says, nah, fuck this. I'm going to try to take take on this pow- all this power. And then... You know, the only white dude with a little bit of sense was the one that was Luke, who wasn't even really at the battle, but was there enough to, one, say his goodbyes to the people that mattered to him the most, and also try to turn the tide for the rebellion. I mean, I mean that was one of the biggest takeaways and the hardest pill to swallow, especially for a lot of MRAs who wanted to re-edit the movie to make the white dude seem more powerful. Yeah, which they did, and it did not work. Nope. They made a 45-minute movie cut where they replaced all of the uh female parts (laughs) they just cut them out and it was nonsense because that entire movie was about how if you don't do it right if things first if at first you don't succeed do it the way that space auntie told you to do it the first time right and space auntie got it right space auntie didn't tell you everything that was going on but space auntie had the gears turning in the right way she knows up all right, so that is, I mean, of course, I mean, we can talk forever about this, but we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, uh, Nate, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at NathanielJams.com. You can find me at NathanielJams on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram, Snapchat. Wendell, where can we find you? And I, you've been chomping at the bit. I, you kept your mouth shut during my last little run, and I have a feeling you might have more to say. Oh, you can find me on the internet. Yeah. Go find me on Twitter. You can find me on um, Instagram at Wendell underscore Brit. I'm always down to keep having this conversation. I'm, of course, obsessed with Star Wars, uh, but that's not your problem. <laughs> uh, and you can also find me on Facebook at, um, I think I, I myself the name Windeasy, but you can just search Wendell Britt and you can find my Facebook page as well. And where oh. can we find The Tone Podcast? You can find us at www.the-tone.net. You can also find us on Twitter at Tone Podcast and also tweet at us with that uh, hashtag Tone Pod. If you're listening to us on the podcast app on Apple or wherever it is, please hit us up with those five star reviews. We Give want us to know what reviews. y'all think. Um, We're gonna shout you out. Give us some reviews. And we really only scratched the tip of the iceberg here, so please do hit us up on social media if you want us to do a part two of this because I feel like there's a lot more to dig into. I don't know about you. Uh, again, we'll we can we can do this sort of whenever we just need to get it out so that people yeah. can know that we like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's all. Hey, that works for me, man. So we will be back probably next week. Um, yeah, absolutely next week. Uh, Wendell, I, I don't even know. How, what kind of fucking sign-off is that? Wendell, please well, send us out. Well, here's what you got to do. So <laughs> you get on the Millennium Falcon, right? You know, everything's all weird. Your black boyfriend, he all sliced up. You got to get on the Millennium Falcon. You're going to go to this planet. You're going to find this old white dude. You know, he was all about Tashi Station. Now he's living on seclusion on the planet. You got to go up to him and be like, yo, you got a lot of weird stuff going on here. What's the deal with those porgs? What's up with that uh, that walrus? Why are you drinking out of that walrus titty? Are these animals spayed and neutered? <laughs> the fish wives will spay and neuter your space pets. Fix your shit. We out. How are you going to talk about the walrus titties? Always. That is the best part of that movie. 100%. That was the moment where I knew everything was going to be fine.